Welcome to the final episode of Your Money, Your Wealth for 2020. We will wrap up the longest year in history with your questions about means testing for Social Security, health care when one spouse is on Medicare, and how Roth conversions affect your Social Security and Medicare costs, a.k.a. IRMA, the Medicare Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. Plus, the fellas answer more of your real estate questions. Can you avoid capital gains when selling a rental property? Should you pay off your rental or keep investing? Is it a good idea to put a home equity line of credit or HELOC on an investment property? And one of the things Joe and Al are good at is hitting nerves, as another listener doesn't agree with the fellas about paying off the mortgage on your primary residence. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, Rusty writes in, Alan, from San Diego. Great. I've been watching your show for years. I heard you repeated suggestions about doing Roth conversions. <laughs> oh, we've, are you sure? I think we've only <laughs> talked about Roth conversions once. Rusty. <laughs> All right. My question is, how do Roth conversions affect your Social Security and Medicare costs? Well, it's called IRMA. So it depends on how much income that you have, Rusty. And then if you do a Roth IRA conversion, you have to be careful um, or at least to understand with the amount of conversion that you do creates income on your tax return. And that income is included in a Medicare search uh, tax or surcharge um, that will increase your Medicare premiums depending on how high your income is. So, yes, it will affect uh, Medicare cost. And will it affect your Social Security? It could create more taxation of your Social Security, um, but it wouldn't affect the amount that you receive. Yeah, I agree with all that. And when you're talking about your Medicare costs, um, that really only matters if you are 63 or older. And there's a two-year look back. So in other words, if you're 63 right now, your adjusted gross income, modified adjusted gross income, will affect the amount of Medicare premiums that you pay in two years from now. So that's where it affects it. And and just to give you an idea, at the lowest level, and this is for a single person making 87000 or less, married couple making 174000 or less, the premium for Part B is $144 a month. And then if you get above uh, 500000 single, 750 married, that's at the other end of the extreme. It's four hundred ninety-two dollars. So that's that's the range, right? And and there's different different points along the way. So when you do your Roth conversion, you certainly want to look at how much tax you're paying. But if you're if you are subject to Medicare or will be in two years from now, you also want to consider that as well. Alan, if I have a modified adjusted gross income, so if I'm the, the table states, let's say a married couple is $174,000 is what the modified adjusted gross income limit is. Right. And their Medicare premium is $144.60. That's their Part B premium. Right. And then the next level is $202, um, yep. $202. So it's around $60 more. Yep. That's right. And so if I have an adjusted gross income or modified adjusted gross income of $174,001, that would increase my Medicare premium by $60 per week. So it's per month. Yeah. Yeah. Per month. So just be very careful there because $1 over will put you right into the next bracket. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the things that we call a cliff. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. A lot of IRS has graduated schedules. This is a cliff. You go a dollar over, all of a sudden, it's $60 more per month times 12 months. So just be aware of that. Uh, okay. Thanks for the question, Rusty. We got Eric calling in or writes in from uh, Las Vegas. Hey, Joe. Alan, Andy, thank you very much for your great podcast. Doing the dishes have never been more fun. So Eric is just grinding away in the kitchen. Yeah, every night he listens to us while he's loading the dishwasher. Um, I, I recently heard you mention that high net worth individuals and couples should consider taking Social Security early because it will likely face means testing in the future, resulting in a reduction in benefits for those who don't need it. Would you please elaborate on this strategy? i.e. what level of income and at what age. Thank you, Eric from Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas. P.S. I dro- You know, since he's high net worth, I'm anxious to see here. Yeah, right. I drive a 2007 Lexus SUV. Yeah. Um, and he's got a, a Terrier, a Karen? Terrier? Karen. Karen? Karen. Karen. Karen Terrier. Oh, it's like so- a photo. So a Lexus SUV is a nice car. Thirteen years old, though. I mean that that could show that he he's frugal. He he runs his cars into the ground, which I like that. Yeah. Um. All right. So I don't. <laughs> you, you don't recall ever saying that. Well, me, uh, me neither. <laughs> somebody else's show. <laughs> no, no. Here's what I said: is that Social Security. You know, when we talk about Social Security, we say, okay, well, the trust fund is going to be depleted in, what, 2033 or 2035, depending on what study that you look at. And so what's the solution for Social Security? And we talk about multiple solutions. They could increase the FICA tax. So at right now at about 130 some thousand dollars or I could probably tell One, you the exact. What, 137. Okay, 137. Um we do not put any more dollars from taxes or FICA taxes into the Social Security Trust Fund. We still pay Medicare, but we do not pay into Social Security, which is uh, 6.2%. And if you're self-employed, um, it's 12.4%. So we could increase the the income limit there, right? Um, that's one way to do it. We could. And, and by the way, there's been proposals to increase that to closer to 200000 Right. Or it, it kicks back in after a certain income of like two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollars of income. Yeah, that's Biden's idea is bring it back at four hundred thousand. Right. So there's a range where you don't have it and then it comes back. Um another way is that well they could decrease benefits. Um, because right now if if as is if they don't do anything, around seventy ish, seventy five percent of the state of benefits would be able to get paid out. So they need to cover this gap. And so how do they do it? They could do nothing and just say, hey, we're going to pay you lower benefits. Um, they could probably push out the the, the age for Social Security. Um, that's another way to look at it. Or some other um, experts are saying, hey, this could be means tested. We just talked about Irma stating that from a certain income limit, as the higher the income that you go, that Medicare premium jumps up. So who's to say that the higher the income that you have on your tax return, the lower Social Security benefits that you're going to receive? It'd be maybe like an added tax. Um, who knows? Or be phased out or means tested. That was just an idea that you know some experts threw out. So when we talk about people that have very large retirement accounts or might have pensions and also have Social Security, we may look at them taking those benefits early. 
Um, just the fact that take it while you can get it, because those would be prime candidates if they were to do a means test or to do something in regards to eliminating some of the benefits for people that have high income. That was just a thought on, you know, it was on a checklist of maybe six or seven different things that we talked about. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's been discussed. It has not been talked about recently. And the other things that you mentioned, like like raising the dollar amount on your wages to have more Social Security going in, or raising the rate from 6.2 to 6.5, or increasing the retirement age from 67 to 68, 69, these are all things that have been done in the past and will likely continue to be done and is the likely way that Social Security will be fixed. However, in the same breath, sometimes people talk about means testing. Uh, at the moment, no one's talking about it. So I'm not worried currently, but it's just something to think about in the back of your mind. So uh, the fact that we, we said it will likely face means testing, no. It's, it's, I, I would say it's unlikely to face means testing, but it's possible. It's, it, it may. It's, it may. It may. It's not likely, though. Right. So it depends on how old Eric is. If Eric's in his 40s and he's you know, doing his financial planning and he's high net worth cruising around in his Lexus in Las Vegas on the Strip, right, with his... Um, Karen Terrier. Yeah, it looks like Toto. We'll just you call know? it Toto. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, you might not want to put Social Security in your financial planning. If you, you Just kind of, all right, if you get it, it's gravy. But if someone's 62 years old... And yeah, then absolutely, you put it in your overall plan. Um, but then you know you get all sorts of different types of weird attitudes, um, you know, yeah. and, and personal beliefs and this and that. So um, <laughs> I, I think the best idea, if you're Social Security retirement age, just wait. I mean, because if they do bring it in at some point, there'll be a lot of warning. You can take your Social Security before that happens, and you'll be grandfathered in. Maybe. <laughs> Right. Well, I suppose we're talking about a government, right? So yeah. anything's possible. Um, we got Bob. What Actually, he didn't write that. He just says, if Joe is 75, his wife is 25, how much money is Joe? Are they happily married? married. <laughs> well, damn. I'm, first of all, 75. Well, when I'm 75, my wife will potentially be 25. <laughs> In, in in your own mind, but for tax purposes, she'll yes. be much older. Yes, that's a good forecast there. Yeah, Appreciate right. That. How much money is Joe? I don't know. What, what do you think? My wife is just going to marry me for my money? I think so. If I'm not saying out. If, I don't have if a you're, big wallet. If you're 75, you got to have some reason. Oh, my golf game, my <laughs> golf cart. <laughs> like Smitty? Yeah. I don't know. I'll go down to the villages, hang out, right. have a couple beers. Have uh, you marry your caregiver? <laughs> could, could happen. All right. I'm 62 years old, still full employed. My wife is 65, retired in collecting Social Security benefits. Started, She started collecting Social Security benefits at 62. We have health insurance with my job and have used um, – we have health insurance with my job and have used same all the time in still using it. I don't know what that means. Social Security – is deducting around four, $140 for Medicare. When she goes to the doctor, she is using my health insurance uh, that we have using before she started collecting her Social Security. I look into SS rules. I think SS service shouldn't be deducting money for Medicare from her checks. If that is correct, can she stop that deduction from her Social Security check? 
while I still work and have health insurance, being that we both use my insurance. If that meter isn't in part of your programming, can you maybe direct me to someone that I can get information from? Absolutely, because I have no idea. <laughs> I, I follow your episodes on YouTube, traveling from and to work, riding my uh, subway. Oh, no, New York MTA. Got it. So he's in New York. Oh, God. Subway and bus. That's the Metro Transit Association. Authority. Authority. Thank you very much. Uh, find it very, very educational and entertaining. Thank you. Keep up the good work. So what he's doing is that his wife is collecting Social Security. And they're taking the Medicare premium of $140 Part B out of the Social Security check because she's 65 years old. Um, so she must have signed up for it because they don't automatically take it unless you sign up for it, right? Well, it's no, you're automatically enrolled at 60. No, no. well, I get you, you are automatically enrolled if you're taking your social security benefits. So that's what happened, correct? Right? So, is there a way for her to opt out of the Medicare Part B because she's under um, her husband's insurance? And I believe if there's a qual, but I think Medicare is still the primary um, on that, even though it goes to the secondary. Yeah, I have no idea. We need to get what's his name? What's our Medicare guy's? What's a Medicare name? guy. Don't we have a Medicare special? Oh no, I'm. Um, we have we have Beth, uh, Mary Beth uh, Franklin. Yeah, yeah, Mary Beth. Um, She's got her own podcast now. We could we, we 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 had we had a Medicare gal on one time. I can't remember her name, but we we interviewed someone. Yeah, Doctor Katie. Oh, actually, yeah, Doctor Katie. That's right. Very good. But you know who else? There's also uh, Danielle Roberts. She was the most recent person that we had on oh. talking about Medicare, and she oh, there was, you go. She was great too. Does she so, have a, a website? Uh, boomerbenefits.com, I believe. Boomerbenefits.com. There you go. There's some resources for you. Because I get it. They're, they're, they're deducting Medicare Part B. I'm trying to think um, how that works. I would imagine if he's, if she's, they could opt out. But if something, you know, because if you don't enroll right away, there's a, a penalty, right? So you get six months to enroll and if you don't then there's that yeah. per month penalty and, if unless, you don't for part B unless, unless you're unless you, event, right? yeah unless you have a policy or your husband or wife has a policy uh, I'm guessing you can't do that but I don't know the answer for sure either sorry um, so health insurance guys I guess um, we got to brush up on that thing not, not, our, not our strong seat no health insurance Medicare <laughs> um, all right we'll, we'll, we'll brush up on it Get access to a number of Medicare and Social Security resources by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes. There you will find the transcript of today's episode, our Medicare Beginner's Guide podcast episode with Danielle Kunkel-Roberts of BoomerBenefits.com, and the free Medicare and You Guide from Medicare.gov. You'll also learn how to avoid Social Security letdown by watching Your Money, Your Wealth TV, listening to our most recent interview with the goddess of Social Security, Mary Beth Franklin, on spousal Social Security benefits, and downloading our comprehensive Social Security handbook. All this good stuff is yours free from Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. You can repay us simply by spreading the YMYW love around. Share the podcast and the resources with your friends and colleagues via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And of course, we welcome your money questions too. Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes and fill up that 2021 email inbox. Zana from San Diego. 
Rosanna, Zana, Zana. Um, why does it say Ask Joel? Oh, wow. Because I made a typo. <laughs> Even Andy doesn't know your name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joel. Uh, Joel. We've been, uh, I, I can't stand that name, Joel. You've, you've, you've been being called that for years. I know. And every time I meet a Joel, I just want to hit him in the face. I think it's, I think it's endearing. I All apologize. Right. That was not intentional. <laughs> See, I was going yeah, like Xana. I, mean, I was taking it out on poor Xana. Um, all right, Xana's got a question. Uh, I have a rental I need to sell to finance my retirement. I'm retired with a 30 year, um, 30,000 a year, I think. Uh, with 30,000 a year, and husband still working at 65K a year, AGI $50,000. Rental was my home until I remarried and has been a rental for 12 years of the last 22. Uh, the basis is $165,000, have $40,000 in depreciation. I owe $95,000 on the note. And the market range is about five hundred and fifty grand. You got all that, Al? Yeah, I'm with you. Call it $150,000 basis, five fifty. dollars She's going to sell it for $40,000 depreciation. So call it a basis of one hundred ten. dollars um, She's got a note of ninety five. dollars Call it a hundred. dollars yeah. So let's just, let's just say it'll be around a $400,000 gain, just for yep. illustration. You got it. Perfect. All right. I plan to use $100,000 to buy a small retirement home. Is there any way I can avoid or lighten the crushing capital gains? I'm likely owed from the proceeds. Uh, the remainder will be invested for retirement. Help? I listen to the podcast, watch early Sunday TV, and get your emails. Finally have a question. You guys are great. Thanks so much. Great All question. Right. Thank you, Zana. Well, let All me right. help her out, Al. Okay, let me yeah, let me sort of go down the path. So the first thing you do is the crushing capital gains. Uh, let's actually figure out what those really are. So four hundred thousand of gain. It sounds like Zana, you're making about ninety five thousand between you and your husband. So if you sold this on top of that income, most of the gain would be taxed at fifteen percent federal. Some at twenty. Okay, the depreciation recaptures tax at 25%. Okay, but then there's the Medicare surtax of 3.8 that kicks in at 250,000. So let's, $100, in tax. let's just say, let's say 20% federal and 9.3% and state because California, so 30%. Let's say one third just to be safe. Yep. <laughs> so so one, one third of 400,000 is call it 130. 130,000 in taxes, let's just say. So that's a big number. <laughs> it is. And I get why, why Zana, you wouldn't necessarily want to pay that. And maybe it's 100,000. I'm just giving you a kind of worst case ballpark. So 100 to 130,000 is the tax. So what are your choices? Well, um, the, the, the most logical choice, the easiest thing, actually, depending upon the cash flow on the rental, you really, you don't necessarily need to sell it. Why don't you just refinance? Interest rates are low. You end up with call it a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You, you pocket a hundred. If the property pays for itself with the rental income, just keep that going. Use the hundred thousand dollars. No tax. No no nothing. That's the easiest thing to do. Yeah, but that's so risky. Come on, you gonna lever this thing up? You know how many you know how many hate emails we got because we we talked about like. Don't pay off your mortgage or something that Andy put in the title that pissed everyone off. Yeah. I said, should you pay off your mortgage? Which was the question. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Yeah, but 
But I think with the rental, I look at that a little differently. I look at that as like a little business. And, and what is the cash flow? Does the cash flow cover it and have a lot of cushion, right? Well, why doesn't so, you do this? Let's 1031 exchange the rental into the the, the, the um, property that she's going to live in, right? Yeah. She rents well, that thing out. She's going to have a little bit of boot, but she can avoid some of the capital gains tax. Yeah, so let's. that was my second option. So let's go down that path. So I you don't know. 30 seconds. I don't know how much you want to replace, but let's say you want to buy a property for four hundred thousand. Sell one for five fifty, buy one for four hundred. So the boot, or in other words, the gain is one hundred fifty thousand. You'll pay tax on. Call it a third of that. Your tax is fifty instead of one fifty. Then, uh, then you can defer the rest into that property. But you have to rent it out for a while until you move into it. But she wants to buy a hundred thousand dollar house, so that doesn't help her. Can't she ten thirty one exchange the home that she has now? A five fifty into a, a a property that has lower value, but she just has to pay the boot. Yeah, but all the in other words, the, be all the, boot. it's That's all boot. It's because the the gain is the 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 hundred thousand dollars to be reinvested is lower than the basis, so it's all gain. Yeah, so it'd be all boot anyway. So it would it it wouldn't it would just be a. Yeah, that's that's why me personally, I would just refinance it if the cash flow worked. Zana, we don't have any magic for you here. <laughs> Unfortunately, Sorry. not. We got Chris and Shannon calling in or writing in from Colorado Springs. Dear Joe, Big Al, and Andy, I listened to your show while I walk my Saint Bernard and drive my white 1999 Toyota Camry to work. Saint Bernard, that's a yeah, big dog. that is a big dog. But it's a St. Bernard mix. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder how big that thing is. I'm sure it's still big. Well, it's like, you know, it's Christmas time. So you think of the St. Bernard with the booze, right? The little Yeah, I think one. of like you get you have a skiing accident and the dog comes and saves you with the booze. Yeah. Well, Colorado Springs, of yeah, course no. they got a St. Bernard. Of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> Driving uh, distance to Breckenridge. Right, there you go. Very cool. Uh, I'm 52, married. My wife is 50 for tax purposes. So you got married for tax purposes. Is that a right? She's 50 for tax purposes. My wife she, is 50 she, for tax purposes. And she's younger for other purposes. Is that how you read that? Because <laughs> when you're 50, you get to put more into your 401k. But besides that, she looks 30. Remember that client we had that one time? Joe came up to me and said, Al. Don't tell Joe, but I may be married. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't want to tell me. I don't know either. It's like, do you have a man crush on me or something? <laughs> Maybe. All right. I don't know. The people, what do you guys write to us? This is crazy. <laughs> I'm 52. I'm married. My wife is 50 for tax purposes. So, okay. Let's continue on. We have two children for tax purposes. <laughs> <laughs> They're the St. Bernards. <laughs> yeah, we need to get those exemptions. So we just keep popping out kids. I have no idea how many we have. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. We have two children and um, have their college expenses funded with a GI Bill in 529 plans. I retired from the Army in 2019 after 29 years and received a pre-tax pension of $110,000. Well, thank you very much for your uh, service, Chris. I have a new job making $100,000. My wife doesn't work outside the home. We have $200,000 in taxable brokerage accounts, $70,000 in traditional IRA accounts, and $360,000 in Roth IRAs. 
In 2020, we maxed my 401k in both Roths, Roths for a total of $40,000. We converted $23,000 into a Roth in March, and we are paying the extra $7,000 in taxes through payroll until December. Our only debt is the primary residence with $404,000, 2.875%. They got a rental, about $220,000 there, 3%, both refinanced in March of 2020. Uh, we make an average of $5,000 a year in rental after all expenses, depreciation to zero for taxes. Tax right. purposes. Yeah, I'm just doing everything for tax purposes. Uh, we are considering two options for 2021 through 2028. One, we invest $10,000 a year through the 401k to get the 5% match and throw the rest at the rental, taking two breaks uh, to fund a donor advised fund along the way. With the house paid off, we would receive around $15,000 a year after expenses uh, based on current rents. Two, we leave the rental on autopilot and keep maxing out our funds. I would like to retire at 60, live off the cash from the pension, rental, and or the funds at about $140,000 a year. And turn on Social Security at age 69 and 67 when we will reevaluate our needs from the funds. Without giving advice, would you pay off the rental or keep investing? Thank you, Chris and Shannon. We're going to go long, Andy, so just FYI. All right. <laughs> um, what do you think, Al? Pay out the rental to get another $10,000 of cash? So you, you just got to look at, oh, he's got $220,000. He pays $220,000 off to increase $10,000, right? So 10000 yeah. into and, 220 is what? That's a 5%. So that's 5% that you would receive cash on cash if you paid out the debt with assuming rents stay the same. Or does it make sense? Do you think that you would throw $220,000 over the next several years to, to get a higher rate of return than 5%? I don't know. Um, I, I, I like paying out the debt. It's just looking at the numbers of what you think the markets are going to do. Um, but if you feel that the rents are a little bit more stable, a little bit more secure, I'm not sure where the rental is, um, but here's what I don't understand, Al. Right. What? His pension's 110000 bucks, and he's making another $100,000. Yep. So he's like making 200, 200 plus. Yep. And he's saving 40. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I had wondered that too. <laughs> the guy was grinding, I suppose, in the yeah. army for yeah. years. Right, and and now he, years servicing our country, protecting us yeah. from foreign enemies and domestic alike, or whatever that scene is. <laughs> right, and then okay. so he gets his pension of a hundred thousand dollars, and then he goes, he, he gets civilian job, another hundred thousand. Now he's making two hundred, doubling up, yep. double up. Yeah, and so he's saving forty. So I, you know, I'll I'll weigh in, Chris. I I think I, I don't. I don't mind either option or maybe a hybrid between the two, but here's a couple high level thoughts. The rental, the debt's at only 3%. That's not terribly high. So I'm not, I'm not over anxious to get that paid off, you know, just as, as, as quickly as possible. And of course the thing about you get the rental paid off, you got better income, but you don't have any liquidity uh, from your rental itself unless you finance it. Uh, if, if on the other hand, you put you keep the rental on autopilot and keep maxing out your savings, then you've got a lot more liquidity and I think perhaps a lot more flexibility. But honestly, 
I don't think it's one or the other. I think maybe a hybrid. I think maybe you pay a little bit extra on the rentals each month, but I, I don't I don't think I would pay it off. I, I, I like the idea of continuing to kind of max out the uh, retirement accounts because um, he's going to have that fixed income. Al, his pension is a hundred thousand, and then his Social Security is probably going to be another thirty some odd thousand. The wife is going to take the spousal benefit, so you should say my wife for tax and spousal social security benefit purposes. Right. Um, so she's going to get another 15. So that's 45. So their, their fixed income is going to be 155, 160. I'm guessing once they claim social security, he wants to live off of 140. Their fixed income is going to pay their expenses. Yeah. So I would much rather have the liquidity. I would save into a brokerage account and things like that, where they could always pay off the mortgage if they want to. But if they want you know, you know what I mean? It just gives them a lot more flexibility given the rates that are so low. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. agree. I that. think I think we're saying the same thing. All right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like that too. Okay. Thanks a lot, Chris and Shannon, um, for tax purposes. YMYW episode number 302 was called, Should You Pay Off the Mortgage? First, Consider Your Tax Strategy. So that was for tax purposes too. And boy, did it generate a bunch of strong opinions. We got another listener comment on that topic coming up a little later. If you missed the excitement, you'll find a link to that episode and a number of other relevant discussions Joe and Big Al have had about real estate investing in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Real estate investing in retirement might be something you want to consider. So I've also thrown in Al's 10 tips for real estate investors and the YMYW TV episode, Get Real About Real Estate in Retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. I get confused with the when you put the titles in there sometimes, Andy. So I thought he because said you don't print in color. I know. Oh. I, I'm trying to say the color printer. Hello, team. Good news, Joe. This is not a Roth conversion question. God, they're catching on, Al. They are, they are catching on. Um, we got great job to all of you that are involved and continue uh, to keep up the show going with quality sound, even though you're working from home. I don't know about this show, Chip. No We're idea. We're doing our best here. My question. So he didn't say his name is Chip. How do, how do yes, I know his did. name is Chip? Where? It at says, hello, team. Good. Oh, at the end of it. So yes. then you put his and name I, in the front of it, and then it looks it. like, okay, got it. All right. Hello, team. Good news, Joe. This is not a Roth conversion question. Great job to you. All. I was just trying to. That was a pregnant pause, Andy. I I see. And uh, those involved in continue to keep up the show going. So uh, just FYI, people, when you write in, just say, hey, this is Chip from Maryland. When you write into a radio show, you put your name first First. versus saying, love the show, love Chip. (laughs) Because then I'm going to. When he filled out the form, the first thing he had to put in was his name, and then he had to put in the rest of the information, and then he asked his question. So he already put all the information in the form he fills out when you go to Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Got it. Never seen the form, never been on the website. My question, I'm in the process of getting a $100,000 HELOC to use use towards an investment property. Uh, the max I plan on spending on uh, said property is $115,000 with the target purchase price of $100,000 or less. In addition to a 457 in Roth IRA, neither factored into this investment. I have a brokerage account of $50,000 and holding $30,000 in cash, both of which I'd 
um, uh, 30,000 cash, both of which I'll be comfortable assessing. Accessing. 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 He wouldn't mind investing either one. I understand. Got it. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The HELOC rates currently are 2.75%, and the terms are 15.15. Any thoughts on the best way to go about purchasing, being a cash buyer, or try to get the best deal? Uh, Put 25% down and leave the option to build a rental portfolio? I'm not sure I could put down the down payment and refi to a traditional as I'm looking at it right uh, with meaning to have having my primary mortgage in the HELOC, then the rental property mortgage. Uh, would the bank see this as overextended? Uh, Big Al, is there an index card formula you like best when assessing a possible property? Thank you all and stay healthy. Love, Chip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, there's that, there's a lot there. So he want do I pay cash? Do I take a HELOC out, pay cash for it? Do I put a down payment, um, and then maybe refinance later? Um, what, what's what what's the numbers, Al? What do you got to look at? It's a great question. So it, in terms of straight numbers, the less you can get down, the more you can finance. As long as your property is appreciating, you will end up much wealthier. You'll build wealth that much quicker. There's a huge caveat, though, and that is that the less you put down, the more you finance, the more at risk you are. And sometimes properties turn downward. And if you've got a lot of properties with a lot of debt, it can be a domino effect. I've seen it in others. It happened to me during the Great Recession where I lost a few properties. I had too many properties and not enough equity, even though I, on paper I had plenty of equity. But when the Great Recession hit and the properties went down, you couldn't get rents to cover the mortgage, so that makes it tricky. So if you're if you're trying to be a little bit more conservative, all cash or or more cash, now you will probably get a better deal by investing all cash, and you can close more quickly. So that is something. But you're gonna you're gonna reduce your rate of return. It works better if you use other people's money, i.e., the bank. But there's just a you just have to be careful about too much borrowing. But I do have a rule of thumb for you, and that is. When you're buying a rental property, look at the value of the property and look at how much it would rent for per month. And your goal is to get as close to 1% as you possibly can. So a $100,000 property, you're hoping it would rent for $1,000 a month. I know that's hard to do, but you're trying to get as close to that ratio as possible. Then you've got a likelihood of it cash flowing. All right. Uh, great advice, Big Al. I have a request. Yeah, what's up? I would like you to do Greg's question at the very end. Greg's question from the very end. Okay. Pay off mortgage. It's a it's it's a comment, and I want to get your guys' take on his comment. Okay. Um, Hi, Big Al and Little Joe. What the? (laughs) (laughs) I like him already. (laughs) Oh, read Greg. Look, it's even lowercase. All right. I listen to your podcast about paying off your home, and I have to disagree with you. I know my answer is based on emotion, but hear me out. No, I don't want to hear anything you got to say, Greg. (laughs) Uh, in 2006 I paid off my home I was 35 at the time I live in a great middle class neighborhood and a lot of my neighbors were small business owners like myself they all told me I was crazy I should take the money out and buy all kinds of toys what kind of neighbors are telling you to take money out and buy toys I I don't think I've ever heard a person say that in my life (laughs) Joe you paid off your mortgage. You should be buying toys. Get that $70,000 uh, golf cart. You know, get a trailer, get a boat. 
right? I don't know. By some G.I. Joes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you like those kind of things. I don't know. I, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Uh, then 2008 hit, and things went really bad for everyone. Uh, my business took a huge hit, and it took uh, until 2010 to get back to even. Most of my neighbors lost their homes and their businesses. Yeah, because they're all buying toys. They're probably <laughs> not very fiscally responsible. Um, it was a horrible time. Yes, we all lived it. But I lived through it without too much fear because I didn't have that mortgage on my back. I know you can do all the math to show why you should pay off your house, but I sleep better, and now I have a good chance to weather the storm. Sometimes the boring safe play is the best play in the long run. Thanks for the beautiful uh, – thanks, Greg, from beautiful wine country in Temecula, California. Was he referring to another podcast that we talked about this? Yes, two episodes ago. Yeah. we Well, we talked about does it make sense or not. And then we talked about I think emotionally most people would not want to have a mortgage, but financially sometimes at you know, two, a 30-year fixed mortgage at 2.75%. Yeah, um, pretty cheap money. It's pretty cheap money. I mean, and you just said in our last conversation was like lever up, buddy. Just yeah. less use the bank's money within a re- within a reason. <laughs> and then yeah. Greg from Temecula, he's like, oh, he's cringing. Yeah, but see, so you use the bank's money to buy appreciating assets, not toys, not things that are going to go down in value. That, that that makes no sense at all. And by the way, uh, Greg. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you. In fact, my mortgage is paid off too. So, oh, look so. at the big wallet on Big Al. Can you say that, Mr. Joseph? You should see my bank account too, <laughs> by the way. I paid off my mortgage and I got millions in the bank. And, and I'm not about to go lever up again. No. So, so I, I like not having a mortgage myself. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It's looking at financially speaking, it makes sense to hold a mortgage at a very low rate as long as you have right predictable income and you got time. Yeah. And so if you if you borrow the money and use it to invest in things that are going to appreciate more than your interest rate, it's just dollars and cents. It's arbitrage. It, it makes sense to have a mortgage. Now, but there's risk there. That's what we just talked about. There's risk. And so, uh, and, and when you get to a point where, you know, your mortgage is low enough and, and you you built enough. You don't necessarily need to have a mortgage. Right. I mean, some people are not that great with debt to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And so I remember early in my career, I did a lot of, um, you know, debt consolidation work with clients just yeah. to figure out cash flow to, to, you know, fund retirement accounts. Sure. So they had credit card debt, car loans and things like that. And then they had a home and had equity. And it was like, well, it would make sense if you refinance, just jam all the debt into a home equity line or, or just a, refinance your mortgage at a lower rate. It would free up, let's say $3,000 a month. And so you could either take that and aggressively pay out the debt or you could use the three thousand a month to put into your four hundred one k plan. Yeah, or a lot of people did that and bought more toys. They did. They, they bought got, a truck. They got in worse shape. <laughs> exactly. So it's like I'm done doing this because you can't handle it. It's like crack. Right. Oh my god. So no, Greg. I think Al and I both agree that sure. I mean, if if you want to pay off your house and sleep better at night because that debt worries you, and you're a small business owner, your 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 you know your income is unpredictable. Right. Some years are boom. Some years are bust. Who knows? And so it's like, all right, well, let's get that monkey off my back. Let's pay it off. And then now, you know, take that extra 
um, cash that I was going to pay down a mortgage and pay, you know, um, into a savings account, brokerage account, or, or, or your retirement accounts. The, the numbers still work as long as you save it. Yeah, but I would, I would never ever borrow on my home equity to fund vacations, to fund like a nicer car, to fund whatever toys, as he says, a boat, something like that. To me, that that money is is somewhat sacred, and you may need it later on in retirement. So I don't, I, I completely agree with his premise. I mean, you don't want to borrow money to if, if if you can afford it, and if you have predictable income, you can borrow money to buy assets that appreciate like other rental properties and end up in a better spot but there's risk in doing that there's yeah risk and return are related right that's right so then it's like what's your overall goals greg is like i'm a small business owner i don't need to spend a lot of money i wine country here in temecula yeah i got a i'm I'm happy i got a beautiful house right it's paid off it's mine right so god bless you yeah good for you great um just a little joke comic kind of pissed me off, but no oh well. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Kick off the year right. Make it a resolution to get on track for retirement. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country, and chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies that will help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.